Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast dedicated to highlighting on-screen talent and behind-the-scenes creatives from diverse and multicultural communities. I'm your host, Juan Ayala. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now let's get to talking. Now today, I am joined by a wonderfully talented group of actors from stage and screen, including Joan Crawley from the Broadway production of Aladdin, Brandon Salerno from the Emmy-winning series The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Wesley Hahn from the upcoming second season of Netflix's Russian Doll, for our very first LGBTQ plus actors roundtable discussion in celebration of Pride Month. So I want to start with what Pride means to you. Uh, and I want to start with uh, Brandon. Pride means to me uh, being able to walk outside and just be authentically myself, not having to worry about what other people think or might say about uh, how I conduct my life, uh, whatever that may be. Um, it's, it's always been, um, less of a just the month uh, in my mind um, and more of just a every day, whether I choose to um, hang out at a certain place or hang out with a certain group of people or whether I, uh, who I choose to date, that is completely, you know, if I can step outside and be completely myself and do that, that's pride um, and I'm proud to do it. And Wesley? I think a lot of us, whether we were queer or Asian or black or Latino or anything like that, we were, many of us were indoctrinated with shame from a very early age, the way we perceive ourselves. Um, and I think pride is sort of the reversal of that, sort of like pride is in open defiance of that kind of repression. And we actively choose to celebrate what we were taught to vilify in ourselves. And Juan? Uh, freedom and celebration. Those are the two words that when I think of pride and, and what it what it means for me, it's freedom and celebration always and authentically. Yeah. In recent years, um, you know, I mean, ever since the Stonewall riots uh, decades ago, but not even that long ago, if you really think about it, um, pride has just become bigger and bigger and more of a celebration. What started as um, defending basic rights to exist and be able to be yourself has turned into such a beautiful celebration of life and authenticity. Um, and over the years, similarly, uh, representation for people in the LGBTQ plus community has increased across the board, not just in television and in films, but even in Broadway shows in uh, plays, especially uh, so I wanted to ask if there's any particular performance that comes to mind as the first time that you saw yourself represented. And I'll start with Wesley for this one. There's definitely been like this very recent proliferation in more queer visibility in film and television and theater. But as a non-binary person, I think we're still really not there yet. Like, like when they brought Jagged Little Pill from the ART to Broadway, they had to completely erase non-binary character to I presumably to make it more palatable to mainstream audiences so I honestly have to say that like I don't really feel that I've seen myself in that regard in terms of my gender mm. identity and presentation fully represented um there are like small I mean of course there are some non-binary characters like kind of a very the wikipedia page has like five <laughs> characters in film it's so sad, um, but I, there's a, there's a really great play called Here, H-I-R, it's like the Z here pronoun, um, written by a playwright named Taylor Mack, who I don't know if any of you have heard 
Taylor uses Judy as a pronoun, which is, there's a lot of things happening there. Um, but uh, it's, the play is about um, so much. And in, in a sense, it's like a family drama, but the main character is this, is this AFAB person who has transitioned and identifies as trans mask, but also non-binary. And so much of it is about there's a here struggle rather, but at the same time, he just wants to be a normal teenager. He's really tired of being the mascot for progressivism and all these things. He's just like, I just want to, I think one of the, my favorite line is I just want to jerk off in my room and be alone. Like, like it's the simple things. And in that character, I was like, oh my God, that's like, so I'm very tired of being told that like, oh, you are, you are the future. Like, I don't want to be the future. I just want to be a person who like plays video games and like eats ice cream and shit, you know? That, that very specific and niche role, I, I did feel very seen. It's funny you, you say that, you know, it's like, don't put all of that pressure on me. Can I just be just like you are, you know, just like uh, uh, a straight cis person. They're not like told that they're representing their entire community. It's like, why do I have to represent everybody? Can I just live? <laughs> Can I just be please? And uh, Joanne, what about you? What's a performance that stands out for you? I think that the first time I was like, oh my God, that's like kind of me was when I saw Kinky Boots. Mm. And I was like, wow. I, I think at the time I, I also, I'm also non-binary and I didn't exactly know what that, what that was when I saw that years and years ago. And it was like, oh wait, there's this like really fabulous black person who's, uh, persona is equally as a part of themselves as who they well not that it, it, that's the thing is that it's not a persona it's just that another manifestation of their truer self when they need to feel stronger and and also someone who just was queer and black period like and that's not anything that we ever get to see um and when we do they're always like dying and depressed and sad and suicidal so it was really really great to like see one um to see a person who was happy and excited and obviously going through things but going through things because they were human not going through things mm -hmm. because they were black and 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 non-binary or or genderqueer um and that was the first time i was like oh my god this is this is so great. I, I I vibe with this. I was like, wow, is this how white people feel all the time? I would love theater as well. <laughs> this is this is this is incredible. Um, so that was the first time I, I saw myself reflected in that way. And Brandon, what about you? Um, for me it was Kurt from Glee. Uh, that storyline. <laughs> I know that's, that's very basic, right? I it was it was it was exactly what at the time I was in ninth grade. Um, I I needed to see, um, and uh, but that really showed me a very what we now I think would say very like conventional process of coming out. A very almost like um, I want to say like a stereotypical experience. Like when you think of uh, a young gay man coming out, I think Kurt's story reflects that. But mm -hmm. interestingly, that same year was Adam Lambert performing for your entertainment at the AMAs. And when he kissed 
someone on stage with him and he was doing this extravagant performance and it was definitely for, you know, you know, the everyday audience, maybe it wasn't the most conventional performance. That really uh, sent me a different message of, it can be much more than the conventional storyline that Kurt's story represented, that there is much more to um, uh, LGBT life than just, um, you know, maybe just, just a white boy coming to terms and getting it together, you know? So, mm -hmm. so there's definitely, uh, both of those, I would say, uh, definitely stood out to me. Um, for, for me personally, one of the ones that I saw myself because, so, you know, when, when someone comes out and, and during their coming out experience, sometimes it, it kind of goes one of two ways. They either feel, in both situations, they feel the sort of this like weight lifted off of their shoulders, depending on the level of acceptance they get from the people that they're telling. You know, sometimes if it if you're if you're not accepted, you're just like, okay, at least I got it out there. If you are, you're like, oh my God, thank God I did it. Um and in my case, it was much more recent because I didn't come out to anyone until I was 25 years old. Uh and it was something that I, you know, struggled with forever. And because there's so much bi erasure in media, bisexual characters are either like hypersexual in the sense that it's like oh they want guys and girls they can't keep their hands off of anybody um which is exhausting to see because obviously not <laughs> it's like that um you know i mean the same goes for queer characters in general it's usually like you know it's like some like i feel like in the 90s especially there was always like the horny gay best friend in every like rom-com it's like okay we're not all like that um but one of the one of the the things that i saw was love simon and that movie is love or hate for a lot of folks in the queer community, but it's like um, very much in the sense that like when the character of Simon came out, he felt like this weight was lifted off of his shoulders and their behavior, their personality didn't change because for a lot of folks, it's either like they felt suppressed their whole life and now they get to just be themselves. Um, but in my case, it's just like, I'm exactly the same guy. I'm, you know, it's just, that, that spoke so much to me and then even more so when the spinoff series Love Victor came out and it was a young Hispanic kid. I was like, oh my God, fine. Like, you know, I can, it just it felt so wonderful to, to see myself represented in that way. A young kid in high school struggling with, a young Hispanic kid in high school struggling with, um, with their identity and not, and, and having the very conservative religious Latin culture sort of hovering over you and and that goes for a lot of communities of color if it's not the culture itself it's that they're also very religious uh especially in the u.s and there's that whole burden of of feeling that the religion is stifling you and we won't get into to translations of, of uh, biblical texts over centuries and how words have been changed uh we can <laughs> get into like, it we can get into it <laughs> I was a very good little Christian boy once upon a time reciting all my scripture. So I wanted to uh, touch on and, and shed some light on if we could, um, if any of you have experienced, um, especially pursuing an acting career, if you have experienced um, hardships or difficulties in that process of pursuing um, 
your career. And if anyone wants to share an example or an anecdote, um, by all means. Mine is, mine is quick. I'll go for, I've, I'm fortunate. I have not, my career has never been um, an issue with any of my and a TV theater. I haven't done any feature film yet, but like with TV and with theater, my career has never been, has never been an issue or a hindrance. I will say that my, like, I don't think my sexuality has ever been a problem. I think mostly within the industry, we're kind of past that. Although there is always this expectation that like, mm. if you play a gay role, like you play it super gay. Um, <laughs> and and I've, done, I've done those auditions, that's fine. I didn't book them, thank God. But I, um, <laughs> I, I, I told my agent, I was like, I feel really yucky every time I do one thing. She's like, yeah, but you're at a point in your career where you'll take what you can get. I'm like, I'll, I'll accept this. Um, I know, so on that front, I think it's mostly been okay. But in terms of my gender, no one has over overtly said, we're not giving you this because X, Y, because you know, you're know you non-binary or because you look this way. But I think it's something that you always, something I wonder every time I walk into an audition um, is because I inhabit this sort of gray area, I'm always wondering, if I'm auditioning for a trans character, am I trans enough for this role? Or if I'm auditioning for a cis character, I'm like, am I too trans for this role? And it's like never, because I I was pretty late stage in callbacks for a series regular for a, for a Disney FX pilot. Um, and they specifically wanted an Asian non-binary Boston accent speaking person um, who is AMAP, and I was all of those things. Well, I don't, I don't pull out the Boston accent because no one wants to hear that. Um, literally <laughs> no one ever wants to hear that, uh, except for the novelty of it. And um, I did it, you know, I got a certain, I got a certain distance with it. And then more recently I looked up who booked it and it was this lovely, very attractive, extremely passing trans woman. Um, and I was like, okay, like, why did I, what was the point of me? I mean, I guess a lot of it was like trying to figure out what they want, but it sort of frustrated me that at the end of the day, they went with such a binary perception of non-binariness, if that makes any sense. And that's something I will always, that I'm always in fear of when I walk into these auditions where I'm like, well, I don't pass. Like, I'm not, no one's gonna look at me and be like, that's a woman. Well, a police officer once did when he pulled me over for you know, 10 miles per hour on a 55 <laughs> road, but that's a different story. Um, so that's something I, I, I live with, always wondering if I'm either too trans or not trans enough. I remember, um, I, I, I will say, I haven't thankfully um, experienced it from other people, but internally in my own head, right after I came out, I came out freshman year of college and even just auditioning for like doing the self-submit life on Backstage and Actors Access and Casting Networks, like I just would avoid any roles that were gay. Um, and that even this was after I had just come out and that was just a self-inflicted like issue that I was dealing with. That was just my own shame still there even though I had been able to say the words out loud. So that took some time to get past um, and I did thankfully. Um, but uh, I think that at the, at the time, 
or just overall, it's always been an internal, it was an internal block for a little bit. It wasn't anyone doing it to me. You know, I think that's just as much a problem as the other side, um, if not more so, is the internal, even being out, it's the fear of, you know, like, I don't want to be perceived as just this and boxed in because, you know, there's the, and we'll, we'll get into this, uh, this whole thing, but the issue of like, should straight care, straight actors play queer roles? And the argument's always the whole vice versa of it. Um, so I want to get everyone's insight on that, on what you think, um, if you think that straight actors should be allowed to play queer roles. And we'll start with Jawan for this one. Of course they should be able to, but not yet. We have to get to a point where everyone has, you know, equal opportunity. And when we do that, then we can say, you know, well, I almost cursed, but we can say, let it all go. And, you know, the best person gets whatever, whatever. But the reality is that we don't have the equal opportunity. They let straight actors um, play whatever they want, straight, gay, uh, trans and straight, bi, they let them play literally whatever they want. And so often when it comes to, at least hyper specifically, I'm talking about film. I don't think that this is a case in theater, but when with TV and film, I think that when it's a gay person, they tend to play a, only a gay person that is hyper specifically their type of, or not even gay, but queer, hyper specifically their type of queer. So until we have, you know, openly queer people playing cis straight romantic leads or playing anything that's not just based on their queerness, then, mm. then no, they shouldn't. But once we get there, I think that it, you know, we should be able to let everyone do whatever, but we have to get to a place where it's equitable first. You can't just throw that in and then, because then it'll never be equitable as we can see now. And Brendan? Yeah, I agree. I would just retweet that. that was exactly <laughs> and uh, Wesley? Um, it's like with ScarJo playing, being every Asian woman ever, I guess. Like, I, because she said in an interview and I, and it was taken out of context and people kind of f further vilified her for it. She said, I should be able to play whoever I want. And she meant that to say, and I agree with the spirit of what she intended, which is to say in an equitable world, yes, she should be able to play whoever she wants, but we do not live in an equitable world. Just like Chuan said, we're not there yet. So, right. yeah. Also, I mean, I don't know that I think she should be able to play like an Asian person. I would never let her play a black person. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's something that is important to the character that then it's, if it's something that's coming from a particular culture, representing a particular culture, even in a world where we are all equitable, like it, they would just, uh, it's hard to imagine them casting me or Wesley or, or you on or any of us to play like George, George Washington. Do you know what I mean? If it doesn't make any sense in regards to the story that I also think that you should do like what is most logical for the story. But mm -hmm. yes, I, I do agree that in an equitable world, like Wesley said, yeah. In terms of the direction the industry is headed, you know, the needle is moving in the right direction slowly but surely, but what are some changes that you're all 
hoping uh, comes to the industry in regard to representation for the LGBTQ plus community? I think that we will get more representation and we will get more equitable representation when we get more producers and creators who are not cis straight white men. Um, I think that everything that I could hope for really would just come down to having the people who are also making the decisions be the people who we want to be represented equitably, as opposed right. to having it all just be rich white men. Yeah, I, I, I hope that we learn from the successes of some of the more diverse storytelling that we have seen recently. Like I'm a huge fan of Pose on FX mm. and that's a, um, a community that um, I didn't know about. I didn't know about the ballroom scene before watching that show. Um, and, and to learn about all that, and also speaking on casting, I mean, those actors um, lived those lives. Some of them even, I think, if I remember correctly, some of the scenes and the backstories of the characters are the actual backstories of the actors themselves that they incorporated into the script itself. Like, authenticity, hello. Like, <laughs> so, um, I think if we learn from the success of a show like that, um, and we and we see we use that as our um, baseline, like that's the standard. Then I mean, we can go even further and share even more diverse stories. Yeah, and speaking on that show specifically on Pose, um, it's not just the cast, but like like Juwan was saying, it's also the entire producing team and the directors and the writers. You've got Ryan Murphy who spearheaded the show but the showrunner was Stephen Canals who is um Latino and he's queer you've got Janet Mock as an executive producer uh and as a director of several episodes uh and uh Our Lady J who is also trans was a, a an executive producer and a writer so it's not just the people on screen but also everyone behind the camera adding to that authenticity because uh there's an interview with actor Troy Awada who um was in the Netflix show, um, Dash and Lily. Um, he's also part of the LGBTQ plus community. And he was recently in a project um, that what had like the, what he said was like the most diverse project he's been a part of. Everyone in the cast was either um, queer or a person of color, but everyone else behind the camera was white, straight and male. And when, you know, they wanted to do collaborate, have a collaborative process um, and every time someone in the cast would pitch something, you would have these straight cis white men saying, I don't get it because they're not part of that experience. They're not part of that community. And then the ideas are then rejected. So it's like when you have someone behind the camera who can add to that authenticity, they will understand. They'll be like, oh my God, that's exactly what I went through. Let's do it. You know, And it's definitely adding to that. Um, and Wesley. Oh, I'm fully, everything you said, like we can't, you know, the cis straight old white man, they're not going to, they, they'll try, I mean, they'll try to change to meet demand, but they can only do so much. Like, we're not going up to them and being like, please, sir, can I have some more representation? Like, really isn't gonna do a whole lot. And I'm a firm believer, if you want something done right, you just have to do it yourself. And so I think, um, and in all underrepresented communities, I think we all want more, not only representation, but like authentic representation, not just. Right. Um, and, and that's a big part of why we need to be behind the camera, like you said, because, you know, if it's, if we throw all these queer POC in front of the camera, but people writing, like I've gotten scripts where I'm like, I said to my, I said to my manager, I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't, this was, 
I am a I am a piece of Asian queer arm candy throughout. I have like two lines throughout. I'm present in the whole damn thing, but I don't talk for some reason. What is that? One other thing that I would like to see a shift in is, um, I know I keep talking about being trans, like shut up, but. No, don't um, shut up. <laughs> no, I'm not being facetious. I, I, I would like, like we are talking more about non-binary roles like on television. I see more breakdowns for non-binary roles and I think that's great. But I think there also is, because, you know, the people in control are typically binary at the very, you know, are, are cis or if they are queer, it's like a binary kind of queer. They have a very binary perspective of what it means to be non-binary, which is, which entirely defeats the point. Like, right. like, like I was saying before, when I auditioned for a role, there's, I, I, I do, I genuinely believe that there's this idea that even if you are gender queer, you're still either femme or mask or butch or something. There's this expectation that you still adhere, that, that you owe them some kind of femininity. So uh, I also wanted to ask, what is your favorite, uh, whether it's a film, a television show, or a book that centered around a character who is um, LGBTQ plus? And uh, we'll start with Wesley for this one. I feel like as a Korean person, my answer is supposed to be The Handmaiden because like it's beautiful, it's a period piece. I love period pieces, but I haven't seen it. So we'll get there when we get there. But I cried so hard over Portrait of a Lady on Fire, um, like mm. violently. I never thought white women could move me like that. And yet there I was sobbing, <laughs> sobbing in the theater. I was I was lost. I, I held it together pretty, I watched it with my partner and my partner was just like sort of sporadically weeping. And I was like, I was stoic. I was like, I'm so strong. I am made of iron. I'm the iron lady, but not conservative. Um, and, um, and that goddamn Vivaldi moment at the end. Have you all seen it? No one's seen it. Okay, I don't like Vivaldi. I think he's a little tired. I think we don't need to realize. Certainly not the summer. Certainly not summer. But at the very end, oh, there's too much context. But basically, it's just this like increasing close up on this woman's face as she's listening to the third movement of Vivaldi's Summer for the first time. And it brings her back to her toward lesbian summer romance from like many decades ago. And her face just like transform, moves through so many different emotions and like the, the music swells. It is a very energetic piece of music. And then it just cuts to credits. And I, I almost screamed something in that theater on my own. Oh my God, I just, who knew I was such a sucker for, oh, it's in French. I, I speak French also. So that was also like, I was like, ah, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's mine. Thank you. <laughs> and Brandon, what about you? Um, so actually I had a different answer for this uh, earlier, but now um, I binged the entire uh, series of Pride. It's on um, Hulu. Um, and it's like a six part documentary uh, explaining these different stories of, of LGBTQ history that maybe the general population doesn't know about. Um, and I was fascinated and I loved it. And it takes us from the 50s to now, like each episode is a different decade. Mm -hmm. um, and it was fantastic. And, um, and similarly to my answer about Pose earlier, it 
uh, I'm attracted to any uh, media about LGBT, about the LGBTQ community that tells me something that I didn't know before. So anything that is a story that has not been shared before or that I didn't know about before. And what I'm realizing is that there has been a lot out there that I am not aware of. And I'm sure the same can be, other people can say the same. So anything that sheds light on that, um, I'm biased towards, I want it. And Joanne, what about you? Mine is not, it's not like woke or educational. Um, and it's, it's, I, it's probably problematic, but um, I just love Tu Wong Fu to the ends of the earth. That film gets me every time. And it's just one of the rare things, of course, like it would be better if it was actual queer people playing the parts. But it, it was the first time I saw it in any film. And I saw Tu Wong Fu like long after, I mean, I, I, I had been in New York when I, when I saw it for the first time. And um, my fairy godmother in Aladdin, Telly, was like, you need to see Tu Wong Fu. You're, you're gay. You've never seen Tu Wong Fu. I was like, I'm artsy. I don't want to watch everything that everybody watches. No, that's not for me. <laughs> what a hipster. But I watched that movie and I was so in love. It wasn't about like trauma. It wasn't about it wasn't about them being like archetypes in a film. It was about three queer people going on a journey together. And like, it highly resembles like what happens when me and my friends go on trips together. And I loved, I loved the level of respect and dedication that those three cis straight men played those parts with. And I think that, that if we're gonna continue to have straight guys play gay parts I wish that they would all take it as seriously as everyone did in that film um but yeah that's my favorite I could watch Tu Wong Fu on repeat for the rest of my life with small breaks to watch Golden Girls and I'd be happy <laughs> uh, so the question I always like to end the uh podcast with is it's two questions really it's would a 13 year old do you think that you have made it this far or that you would have made it this far and what advice would you share um, with your 13 year old self uh, and we'll start with Joanne. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I, my younger self knew what I wanted to do and had a decent idea of how to get there. So definitely this is all in alignment with what was supposed to happen with little 13 year old Juan's master plan to take over the world. Um, and <laughs> I think I would have told myself uh, just to come out sooner. I think that I put myself through a lot of um, unnecessary torment of my own affliction. Uh, not that my family was super supportive in the beginning, but where we are now, right, where, where I'm at with my family, I feel like we could have gotten to years ago had I, the first time my mother asked me if I said yes, as opposed to waiting until the 27th. Okay. And Brendan? Um, I don't think I would have, I don't think my 13 year old self would have believed me if I said, you know, this is what it's going to be. I was a science guy in middle school. Like I did like a research project on a star system and it was like a whole thing. Uh, and I was, I, I did theater, but I wasn't like, I want to be an actor when I grow up. Um, and so, uh, no, this was not in the cards at that age. Um, 
So I think I would have been very shocked to hear that this is this is where I am. Um, but extremely grateful. I would have hated my life had I continued along the other path. Um, uh, I would tell myself similarly, come out sooner and come out faster. Um, I think that I uh, <laughs> I told like each person that was important in my life, like one-on-one -on -one convo, like getting frozen yogurt or coffee and like sat people down and told them. And I think again, I similarly, I put myself through a lot of strain doing each person one-on-one, -on -one. should have been a group text, should have called the day and just been <laughs> done with it. Um, and Similarly, um, uh, I had this idea in my head that everyone was going to hate me and my, my hometown, like many of ours, I'm sure, um, uh, is much more, leans more conservative. Um, and so I had all these ideas in my head that everyone was going to reject me and I was going to lose friends. And I didn't, thank God, uh, knock on wood. <laughs> um, and, um, and it all ended up working out. Uh, so I would have said, you know, um, be a little bit more confident going in and just get it done. And Wesley, what about you? Certainly not. I did not think my 13 year old self didn't think Asians could make, have a career in this, in this industry. And certainly my parents didn't help. It was very, you know, attorney or die, that kind of thing. Um, and I am in corporate litigation. So in some sense, I have sort of followed that trajectory, but not as an attorney because um, I didn't want to spend $270,000 just to decide I hated it um, on law school. Uh, but I loved theater. I knew right away after my first fundamentals of drama class in middle school that I loved theater. Um, I didn't really think I had the talent or the ambition to get very far with it. But, you know, I still don't know about either of those things. But I'm here. I would tell my 13-year-old self, um, I don't think I have anything useful for myself. I just say buckle in, honestly. <laughs> um, I think everything that happened to me was supposed to happen to me for the better, for the worse. I think I came out at the right time twice, mm -hmm. three times. No, twice. Once is once is Pam, and then once is um, non-binary. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I I came out as non-binary in college when I was in an environment where I had been exposed to the discourse of gender for a few years at that point, And I understood what it meant to be non-binary and I was sort of steeped in that culture of my campus. And I think I felt very safe and protected and, and loved there. And so I felt very comfortable coming out. It was still, I still remember like my heart palpitations when I told my room full of friends, we were just all casually doing a homework. And I was like, hey guys. And they all look up from their books and I'm like, can I just try out they, them pronouns for a while? And everyone was like, oh yeah, cool. And they all went back to their work. <laughs> um, and that was that. And I, so I think all of that, I think everything that happened happened at the right time. It was a roller coaster. So I'd say buckle in kiddo, hmm. you're going to be okay. And that concludes this episode of Multicultural TV Talk from MediaVillage.com. If you enjoyed the show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to never miss an episode and head on over to MediaVillage.com to check out all of our articles, columns, reviews, and interviews. Thank you all so much. I'm Juan Ayala, and this is Multicultural TV Talk.